Hi, everybody. I'm George, and this is The Best Little Horror House in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. And today's guest is my pal that maybe you saw him recently jamming on the charity Doathon. Please welcome Justin Kiley. Hey, George. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, my pleasure, dude. You know, we talk horror every day. Oh, We're yeah. literally talking oh, horror yeah. every day. I love it. Yeah, this is obviously something that's a big part of your life, and I want to hear about how you got into it. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. I'm a fan. You do a great <laughs> job. But um, and I listened to the show, and I was thinking of how to explain this. But I guess it's, not, it's I, you've heard the story before. I grew up Catholic, altar boy, Catholic school, the whole nine yards, you know. Yeah. And uh, The Exorcist, and it, it, it was The Exorcist for sure. And my sister, who's eight years older than me, uh, I remember when I was a little kid, her, her, and her, her and a friend had that movie, and they said, you can't watch this. I, I must have been uh, maybe six or seven or something. And they kicked me out, but I remember like sitting on the steps, and this is similar to Gorley's experience, uh, Matt Gorley from the, from the Gorley and Russ podcast. It's similar to him talking about Halloween. It's very similar, but actually I was in the room for the beginning when they're in the Middle East, and I was like, this isn't scary. This is, what is this? This is nothing. They go, yeah. <laughs> but basically I, I was kicked out of the room, but I did hang out on the steps, and I heard a lot of scary sounds. I heard some <laughs> screaming and screeching, and that voice of um, the actress who who voiced Pazuzu uh, right. it was just terrifying. But it wasn't until a couple of years after that that I actually saw the movie. I'm curious what your reaction to the movie was when you yeah. finally saw it, if it held yeah. up to uh, the, the terror. Oh, oh, for sure. <laughs> much worse, much worse. <laughs> Honestly, and I still... Uh, the effects, I know, are a little dicey today looking back. Um, but I've said it before that the the overall mood of that movie is just dread, absolutely dreadful. And Friedkin does a really terrifying job. I think that it's it's kind of timeless. How how the mood is timeless to me. The effects yeah. are the only thing that doesn't hold up. And but I grew up Catholic, and and I was told by all the people, all these people, the adults in my life, that the devil is God is real. The devil is very real. Yeah. You know, I was told this on a daily basis. I had nuns as teachers and everything, and I got. I got slapped around a few times by the nuns. I think uh, I might have been the last of that kind of generation of getting hit a couple times. But anyway, yeah, so these people of authority in my life were telling me that this was real. And what could be scarier than that? Nothing. <laughs> and then you see that movie, and I remember vividly nights of, like, Reagan in the movie. Before the audience sees her bed off the, off the floor shaking... She goes to her mother and says, my bed is shaking, you know, and I, I was completely convinced that my bed was shaking some nights and I would go to my, I have to sleep in my parents' bed and it, it ruined me. But right. it also started my journey, I guess, into this. So I don't know, I feel like I've been chasing that kind of subgenre of horror, not, and it wasn't like the slashers and everything, to be f completely honest, like I always saw the originals of Halloween and Friday and Nightmare, but it wasn't until I started listening to that podcast that I really dove deep into all the um, sequels and stuff. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, you know, they get a little dicey, so who could blame you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're so much fun, though. Yeah, absolutely they are. That's awesome. It's so funny how, you know, it can be so terrifying as a kid that it really does kind of shape your whole outlook oh, yeah. going oh, forward. Yeah. Oh, but it's totally. still something that you react to in a positive way on some level, that yeah. it really does pull you in. Despite yeah. everything in your body being like, yeah. no, what the hell are right, you doing? Right, right. Not everyone, though. 
Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's a certain person, personality, or if it's how I grew up, go to church and that kind of thing. I've just always had a, like a fascination, with, not in a way that I would practice like uh, being a witch or anything, but I always <laughs> be fascinated with like, with like spirits and demons and stuff. And I had my friends down the street, I remember one day, two things happened. One day, uh, it was Mitchell came, Mike Mitchell came to my door and said, Oh, we found a skeleton behind the shed, and it was like a cat <laughs> skeleton, or like a stray cat. Oh, wow. And, and, and my other friend the same day came and said, oh, he showed me this little booklet. It was a little pamphlet of, it was called The Three Days of Darkness, and it was gra- his grandmother gave it to him. It was this old Catholic thing about the end of the world. Oh, my God. And all the stuff that was going to happen. <laughs> and this was, I took this as fact, you know, that, that there'd be three days of darkness, and all the dead would rise, and all this crazy stuff. And it's just in your head as a kid. It was fascinating to me then. It scared me. I loved being scared for some reason like you said it was it was kind of being terrified but fascinated simultaneously you know yeah absolutely so you mentioned kind of chasing that subgenre is it mm. just ghosts in general or specifically like yeah. that religious horror kind of thing no it's not specifically religious although i am partial to your last guest was talking about cults anything with yeah. cults and i and i agree with that like i'm a, cults always they they fascinate me and, and i read a lot of books about them and that kind of thing and when that when that's put into a movie especially a satanic cult type of thing it's it's really interesting to me but ghosts yeah i find them very scary <laughs> again it it hawks back to that time as a kid but i think for years i was always chasing like a quote unquote classy horror film like something that that is taken very seriously not to say there's not humor in it but i mean the movie's taken serious like the the person who made it takes it very seriously and tries tries to make it real and tries to make it scary and there's it's very few and far between uh, i see a movie that that really really scares me now there's some stuff that has bits in it that are good or scary but that for overall they just are, are just don't do it for me but i've definitely come across a few such as house of the devil i liked a lot that was a cult a satanic cult one a dark song is really good and that's another one where kind of a cult type of stuff uh, i loved hereditary did you see um anything for jackson no you should check that one out it's a it's a real fun one. Oh, no kidding it's it's I'll got it some kind of culty ghost stuff going on yeah what's interesting about it though is that it really focuses around like the two main characters are both like senior citizens like they're like 70 75 or something like that what year what how how old is movie just last year i believe wow okay cool and it's pretty cool i also another one that i've been wanting to check out it it was supposed to come out around my birthday last year saint Mm -hmm. maud and then I was going to see it with my parents, and we wound up having to push it back because of COVID, and so I wasn't celebrating my birthday with them. And so yeah. now it's been out, and I'm just sitting here dying to watch <laughs> friggin' St. Maud. Are you and, holding uh, out for your parents? I did, yeah. I promised yeah. them. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man of my word, what can I say? St. Maud, huh? Is that yeah. what you said? So, yeah, and... I also I don't mean to say that I don't like I love the cheesy stuff for the 80s I absolutely love it so it's not all like dreariness and stuff like <laughs> that for me because I do find a lot of enjoyment in, in the scary movies but I find a lot of enjoyment as well in like Sleepaway Camp's probably w- one of my favorite movies of all time I find it problematic stuff aside I just find it so out there and bizarre and funny yeah and all the J- all the Jason movies and all that stuff it's just you know it's good times you know yeah, absolutely. I, I, but I think that you're right that there is something kind of special about a movie that really does draw you into the into the environment. And yeah. you know, while while it's a lot of fun to watch those cheesy ones, there is a level of artifice 
that can be hard to get past mm-hmm. where you're you're like I'm watching a movie. I understand that I'm watching a movie. Yeah. But with something like today's pick with which is Jacob's Ladder for yeah. everyone out there. You know, it's the kind of movie that because it's this kind of paranoia and this mm-hmm. dread, you know, that kind of seeps out of the movie. Mm-hmm. And you really start to feel it mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think you get with the fun, but ultimately less, uh, I, yes. I, I don't even want to say engaging, but right. you, you know what I'm trying to say. I do, yes. I love it all. Yes. Let's absolutely. just say that. <laughs> I, I don't, I, do, I have a little bit of a distaste for the, what do you call the, uh, like the Eli Roth movies, the, the oh uh, sure the the torture ones, yeah, the torture porn type. It's just a little bit like, ugh, I yeah, just, it I, it doesn't do anything for me personally. Hey, hopefully we are leaving that uh, genre in yeah. the past. Although yeah. Spiral coming out tomorrow, yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see. So who knows? Yeah, but the movie we're talking about today, like I said, is Jacob's Ladder. This is a heavy one, and this is a movie that's really interesting for me specifically because this is a movie that I loved before I even watched it. Mm-hmm. It, so, first off, it's a 1990 movie d- directed by Adrian Lyne, who you might also know from Flashdance, Fatal Attraction, and Indecent Proposal. And it was written by Bruce Rubin, who won the Oscar for writing Ghost. And he was also classmates at NYU with uh, Marty Scorsese and Brian De Palma. Oh, so, wow. quite the uh, heavy hitter class there. Yeah, wow. But so, my own history with this movie is kind of wrapped up in its influence. So I know normally that kind of gets saved towards the end of this, but we might jump around a little bit here just because of, uh, you know, the natural flow of things. And this is one of the movies where when I was younger, I had really, really bad insomnia. And so I would stay up all night under the covers watching, you know, YouTube videos and reading about movies and everything. And one of the only Let's Play channels on YouTube that I was really into was this, uh, this two best friends play guys. And... They had done some of the Silent Hill games, and I was just in love with these games. I was far too cowardly to play them myself, mm-hmm. but you know, I watched these guys play them over and over and over again. And when you read about these games, it obviously leads you to Jacob's Ladder because those games don't just take inspiration from it. They are practically the same universe. Right. Akihiko Imamura clearly loved it, not just as an aesthetic to cover the entire series with, but... There are direct references from the look of Valtiel, uh, the same anti-drug posters, uh, items like the key to the line apartment. The main character, James Sunderland, has the same initials as Jacob Singer. He wears a similar army jacket. And the bad ending of the first game kind of plays out similarly to the ending of this movie. And Mm. when I transferred from reading about the Silent Hill games to reading about Jacob's Ladder... It just scared me so bad just reading about it. This Mm. was one of those movies that... You know, that I read about probably thousands of movies over the course yeah. of several years of insomnia yeah. doing this. Yeah. But oh. this was one of the ones that really, really stuck with me. And just the description of the imagery and these heavy themes. And, you know, you're reading about it at like 3 a.m., so you're all loopy. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of thing that really sticks with someone. And when I finally did get around to watching it, it was incredible that it did manage to meet my expectations and even exceed them you know it really is a spectacular movie and you can kind of understand why it has such an influence on these huge properties like silent hill uh, among many others and i'm curious if uh, you know how you came to to this movie because it is very sort of dour and and serious yeah my only exposure to silent hill is i believe there was a movie yeah 
and but I don't know the games. And um, but uh, and you explain it as dour and everything, and that's true. But I don't want to scare people off <laughs> listening who who don't like this th- type of thing because it is it is really impressive. I felt. Yes. And I guess I can get more into why I feel that way. But I can't coming to it. I think my brother. He's a few years older than me, my brother Steven, and he kind of was very big in my life getting me into movies. He kind of um, shaped my tastes a little bit. Not so much horror, he's not horror, but like certainly just same with music too. He kind of steered me in the direction of what quality stuff was rather than, you know, told me to not really get too hung up on like a Limp Biscuit too much, (laughs) you know. But uh, I did buy that CD. But anyway. So so uh, he wasn't perfect then. He got Yeah, he threw on Jacob's ladder, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to watch a Vietnam movie right now. You know, I've, I've seen it, I've seen because the first scene, and then within three minutes, yeah, it's like, holy shit, this isn't, <laughs> this is not a, this is not a regular Vietnam movie. Certainly not. I mean, but that was it. I mean, he showed it to me. Yeah, and because uh, I just watched a ton of movies as a kid, and yeah. And then I was after three minutes, I was like, wow, I was, just, <laughs> I was on board, and I didn't know what was happening. And uh, until the end. It does hook you quick. I'll tell you that for free. Mm -hmm. The title of the movie is a reference to the biblical story where Jacob is running from Esau and he dreams of being in the house of God with the gates of heaven signified by a ladder with angels going up and down it. Mm. And so to follow the path of this movie requires going all the way back to 1965 because Bruce Rubin's roommate was good friends with Timothy Leary who is a famed uh, advocate of psychedelics. That was, yeah. That's what he's really known for. Mm-hmm. And one day, somebody who was going to Timothy Leary's house left a jar of lysergic acid, which is liquid LSD, in their fridge. And he was like, I'm going to go up there the next day. Let me just leave this here overnight. And Bruce had taken a tab of LSD that night that had been in his wallet for six months. And classic fucking rookie mistake, he said... This isn't doing anything. <laughs> so they decided to double dip. This I did this. Wow. Basically. <laughs> Not as much as him, but I, I like a true jackass. <laughs> and that's another reason why this movie sticks with me like it does is because of that aspect, of the LSD aspect of it. And I've had really bad trips. Not like Jacob has in this, but and I, took, I would take it and then, oh, nothing's happening. Take more. <laughs> this was one night I remember in particular. Take more. Two more. Nope, nothing's happening. Two more. I took about like six or seven little oh tiny little squares. Yeah. And then a couple hours later and some other, uh, I don't know how much I can say here. I don't care. Nobody knows who I am. But a couple of couple of bong hits later yeah. and I was, and it was down a rabbit. That was the last time I ever did it. Wow. I, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> and, and like, I, and that's another thing that's so visceral about the what happens in this movie because I've experienced it, you know, sure. and it's, it's terrifying. That makes a lot of sense. But it, basically that's what happens is... Yeah. He, his roommate went to go give him a drop of the lysergic acid, and of course he accidentally gave him way too much. Uh-huh. Thousands of micrograms of liquid LSD at once, and of course he tripped his fucking face off. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he says that he explored a vast and internal world. Mm. 
So that's a that sounds like someone tripping. If it if it was anything like what is in this movie, it's not it's not a good thing. No, it's definitely <laughs> it would scare you off. <laughs> and this this trip it changed him. He like literally says like he was never the same after yeah. that. Yeah. He quit his job as an NBC assistant film editor and he started just traveling. Uh, he started in Greece, and he hitchhiked through Turkey, Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. And then he started exploring Eastern religions by finishing his journey in Indian ashrams, a Tibetan monastery in Kathmandu, a Buddhist temple in Bangkok, and a Sikh temple in Singapore. And then after all this, he says, okay, time to go back to Hollywood and become a famous writer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what he does. He, he heads back to the U.S. He's working. I mean, he's not famous yet but he's he's working as a writer in LA right and he has a dream where he gets off a New York City subway train into a station with no exits it's so it's easy to see sort of where the seeds of this are are starting to come together and first of all let me just say that i have had similar dreams inspired by moments of panic trying to get home after a late night out and the gates are shut on you and you don't know what the hell you're supposed oh, to do truly some of the scariest moments of your life, especially oh. if you're drunk and trying to, you're just like, oh, I just want to get home. Yeah. <laughs> awful. It is awful. <laughs> but second, in the dream, the way that he finally made it out was by going into the tunnel through hell and eventually out into liberation. Mm. And wow. this, yeah, first of all, that's an intense dream. Yeah. <laughs> and second of all, I mean, he took this, and he took an admiration for an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, which is, uh, I like that short story. Mm-hmm. And he took that into, and he formed the foundation for this movie. Although he also took his newfound respect for Tibetan Buddhism, and he sort of infused an element of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, where there wouldn't just be sort of an after-death event, there would be an opportunity to achieve closure. That was what he was really looking to capture. And, I mean... That is what this movie basically yeah. is all about. That's totally. that's the the fulcrum of the movie. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. You're really opening opening my brain up right now, George. <laughs> uh, no, really though, because the movie has it's so it has so many layers to me. But I, I didn't know that much about the background of it, and it really kind of just there you go. It man. blows it blows it open even further. Yeah, totally. That's what this show is all about, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love it. And so in 1980, he started working on both Ghost and Jacob's Ladder. He started writing them both the same year because he was clearly trying to communicate this idea that death was not what we thought it was. That there was something more to dying and spirits than than we were working with in a, in a day-to-day understanding. Um, his agents dropped him, saying that it was too metaphysical and nobody wants to make movies about ghosts. Which... Mm-hmm. Way to have long-term vision there, agents. (laughs) But the people at American Film Magazine had read it, and they named Jacob's Ladder one of the most promising unpublished scripts in 1983, the same year as Princess Bride and Total Recall. So it's not, like, top ten of nothing. Like, he, he was up with some serious contenders, and there was some interest in making this movie. But the challenge really arose because Bruce was determined to keep the movie as close to the script as possible, which meant attaching a director that would have the clout to get it made with a decent budget and the weight to throw around in production meetings. Because obviously this is the kind of movie where you can easily see where some producers with ideas a little too big for their britches start sticking their fingers in the pie and, and, and messing up the soup, as it were, you know, to mix yeah. two metaphors there. <laughs> 
And so among those directors briefly considered were Ripley Scott and Sidney Lumet, which huh. those would be very different but very interesting yeah. movies. Yeah. But coming off a of fatal attraction and passionate about, quote, one of the best scripts I've ever read, Adrian Lyne was ultimately who signed on. Mm -hmm. And he did make some changes to the script, uh, changes that I like and that ultimately Bruce came around on as well, including the ending. And originally, there was more classic sort of Abrahamic iconography for the demons, uh, like horns huh. and wings and pointed tails. Right. And Lion wanted instead to utilize more naturalistic nodules and growth. Right. That would be both disturbing and demonic, but human at the same time. And, mm -hmm. you know... This is something that I really like, especially as someone who didn't grow up particularly religious in general, but also specifically did not grow up Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious to sort of see what you think about utilizing this more naturalistic and grimy feeling. Yeah, the more human aspect to right. it. Right. It's certainly more scary to me yeah. than I think. Not that, I mean, the other thing doesn't exist, so I can't say that wouldn't be scary. Right. However, I, I think what he did with it, it's almost like when you see something that's different from what is typically pictured in the Bible not or drawings from, you know, the olden days of demons and the incubuses and stuff like that, and suck, which is an also, also another thing, the sleep paralysis thing, anyway. But, uh, like, I think when you see something different from that, it's almost like, oh, this could be the real thing. You know, it has, like, that aspect of maybe this is what it really looks like as opposed to this other thing that's been being fed to me all my life, you know, of the of the typical horns and the, mm -hmm. um, the tails and all that stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. I just thought it looked really cool, scary. <laughs> and I, I watched like some uh, background. I watched some special features and tried not to show too much. And I think that's always a good idea in these movies, you know. Yeah. Tried not to show too much for too long and kind of make everything, everything was always in motion. Every, every time there was any kind of demon, the head was always flopping around or, <laughs> or in motion somehow. And quick shots of everything makes it very scary yeah it's such a fine line to balance not only as an audience of like well i want to see it i want to yeah. see what i'm looking at but also i want the hide and seek of it all that builds that tension yeah and it's also a fine line to walk as the director who's like we spent all this money <laughs> on yeah. these special effects like i want people to see it right. but i know that i have to sort of uh, be a little a little uh, hold back a little yeah and, uh, also, know. it's just everything's so practical in the movie. Obviously, there's yeah. no, there's no, it, it, by today's standards, it looks, it looks a million times better than what the stuff that they do today with CGI, and it's twenty, thirty years old or whatever it is at this point. It just it, like a hundred percent looks more real, scarier, everything. I don't know. Is it because it's too expensive? Is why nobody does it, or is it is that what it is basically? I think it, it's too expensive on like on one hand, but then I think that there is also an element of laziness to it, yeah. where it's yeah. so easy to be like, okay, like we can work yeah. around this, and then yeah. they can get it just right yeah. in post, as right. opposed to like if we fuck up a squib. Yeah. Or yeah. something like, yeah. oh, shit, we have to clean the costumes, run yeah. it back, get another one, set everything yeah. up again. And so it's not necessarily always that the actual prosthetic or whatever is expensive. Yeah. It's just that it kind of like snowballs in like, oh, they have to spend sure. all this time in the makeup chair or, oh, yeah. they have to spend sure, time, sure. Uh, yeah. you know, doing all this jazz. God, the end so, result is worth it, though. I it? totally agree. I, I yeah. think it, it looks incredible. Not only it the makeup really effects, but even the head motion that you were talking about, that mm -hmm. was done in camera as well. You know, they recorded at just four frames per second. 
for those. And uh, they would pay, play it back at a uh, normal speed, and it would be this really grotesque, distorted fast-forward. Mm-hmm. This has been aped in movies like the Saw franchise, and Line said that Francis Bacon's art was a major inspiration for this, but it is so effective. Yeah. It is. It freaks me out so bad. Told, it absolutely does. It's great stuff. Yeah. The party scene is... Oh, man. I mean, we get into it, but... Yeah. It is very scary to the point where apparently it was too much for audiences. Mm. Um, they wound up having to cut about 20 minutes of uh, quote-unquote disturbing imagery wow, from huh? the movie. Some of it is still out there as deleted scenes. I saw some deleted scenes. There's one thing that I didn't... I don't know. Well, I guess we'll talk about it at the end. There's one part at the end that they took out that I didn't... Yeah. I almost didn't... I just didn't like the idea of it too much. But what the hell do I know? It just <laughs> seemed a little bit too uh, pretentious or something. Sure. You I might, think you that, might I think know what ending, I'm talking about. I do. I think I do. I think that yeah. the ending that they settled on is is probably better. But I mean, yeah, I the transformation so. of Jesse... Yeah, like, that was cool. Oh, man, yeah. it looks so yeah. good. And the, yeah. the like, eye coming through. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, that's good stuff. <laughs> it's just the, the part that I didn't love is when she transforms and Jacob's looking back at himself. That's it. Did you see that part? Yeah, yeah. That, was, that, that little part, I was just... Uh, See, I thought, okay. that, I thought that it kind of works. Well, all right, yeah. so spoiler alert, folks. Yeah. You know, we're well, going gonna to get to it eventually, yeah. but I'm I sorry. guess... No, hey. Well, they don't. That, that's out of context. Nobody knows what. Well, but I'm about to talk more about it, okay, and I'm going to say, <laughs> say that uh, I think that it kind of works for me. I, I think that it probably was a good choice to take it out, but the idea yeah. of, of like showing that she and the rest of the demons are really just kind of a construct of J- of Jacob's mind, and that ultimately. Yeah. This is all him doing this yep. to himself. Right. Uh, you know. All right. Uh, well, you convinced me. That's all it took. <laughs> I'm very impressionable. I did it. All right. <laughs> but, you know, even with all that stuff, it did open at number one at the box office. Unfortunately, the very next weekend, it lost out to Child's Play 2. Hmm. Uh, it ultimately only made $26.1 million on its $25 million budget. Not exactly a financial success, although critics did like it. Even Horror House villain. Ebert. He liked it. Roger Ebert gave this yeah. three and a half stars out of four. Wow. You get this one, Ebert. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Line is not, I mean, Fatal Attraction is kind of horror-ish, but not really, not a typical horror director. Right. Right? Yeah. But, I don't know. Did good with this one. Yeah, he sure did. And uh, <laughs> the legacy has grown, you know? I mean... Not only, like I, I mean, I went on at length about its influence on Silent Hill, but you can also see it mm-hmm. in movies like The Sixth Sense in terms okay. of that sort of like, oh, yeah. he was dead. And this and is this is part of what my thing at the end when you asked me why it's my favorite horror movie of all time. Hell yeah! But I, yes, but a hundred percent what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's everywhere. But a lot of the stuff that comes out now owes a lot to it. But also, if I can predict it now because it's become such a trope, and this mm. movie. It, I mean, there's other movies that have like a, like a, a similar type of twist that, that came before. I mean, Wizard of Oz, everything was a dream, if I'm not sure. Gonna, and a, the movie Psycho was he it was a multiple personality thing, and so but so it came before that. But this was my first exposure to something like this, that, and it really worked on me. Mm-hmm. And then the stuff that has that came out, I would say mainly by the 2000s, it just produced eye rolls for me. Like, have you ever seen the movie Hide and Seek with Robert De Niro? It's it's awful, yeah. but it but it but it's something. I don't even remember what happens, but it's some kind of twist like that. Like she was, he's, like, he's the, the bad guy. She, she's like he's Dakota Fanning's secret uh, imaginary friend as well. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> but stuff like that, it's like I mean, all right, we get it by yeah. this point, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's and and this is 
the reference point. Every mm-hmm. time someone is like, oh, they did that thing, it's yeah. always like, you know, like Jacob's Ladder did. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And, and not even just in movies and stuff, you know, things like The Evil Within, uh, which is another video game. American Horror Story has some elements mm-hmm. of that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really all over the place. Yeah. Identity, too, was a big one. Remember Identity? Yeah. And also, Cusack. what's this? Cusack and a guy, the bad guy in that was in this, Pruitt Taylor Vince. Oh, the, sure. the, yeah, the, he was. You know, this the scary looking guy? With, yeah, yeah. He's an Identity. That's another movie that did that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just, it's just triangle. Yeah. Triangle triangle. I watched and I almost turned it off because I was like, Oh, well this is just, she killed her daughter and this is her going crazy. And, yeah. and, and I was like all set with it, but I, I stuck it out and I, it was, it did take, I didn't see that. So it worked to me because I knew there was some kind of crazy twist. Like it's all in her mind or something, but it wasn't quite exactly what I anticipated. So I appreciated that. Cause there's so few movies that try this type of thing, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work on me anymore because it's been done so much. Yeah. Know? Yeah, we actually, I think we've recently talked about Triangle. This was not yeah. one that we agreed yes. on. Because yes. I really, folks, I did not care for Triangle yeah. out there. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if it know. if it ever comes up on the show, I might be able to fake it. It wasn't that bad, but. Yeah, I actually forgot. I forgot. <laughs> I just remember now that you don't like it. And I, like I said, I, I nearly turned it off. My wife was like, I can't, I don't want to do this because the whole time i'm going this just you know you yeah. know that something it's something like that but yeah anyway, go ahead hey you know what they can't all be jacob's ladder yeah truly <laughs> but this this movie works for me and so for so many different reasons i guess yeah. we can get into it as you go though go ahead yeah well hey let's let's get into the actual movie um it starts off with like you say this real kind of like sleepy opening in Vietnam, mm. and we see the sunrise, and a chopper slowly makes mm. its way over. But it is also kind of uneasy, because it looks like everyone has just kind of passed out from exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Everything is, just feels a little off. And mm-hmm. as they start to wake up, and they bullshit with each other a little bit, they're suddenly attacked. But they're also just, like, collapsing in pain, and seizing, mm. and having manic fits. Among Wild. Them. Yeah. Absolutely wild opening. Oh, man. It's crazy. It, it's, yeah. it escalates so quickly, and it's a bad fucking time. Yeah. these guys. Real bad. And Jacob Singer, our main character, screams uh-huh. for a medic. He played by Tim Robbins, by the way. Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. Incredible. This dude. Whoo. The whole cast is fantastic, I thought. Go yeah. I, I love, love, love Tim Robbins. He's also mm, in my favorite too. Coen Brothers movie, The Hudsucker Proxy. Hudsucker Proxy. Not yes. a popular opinion that that's the best one, but it is my yeah. favorite. He's uh, great. Yeah, he's he's really, really fantastic in this. And I mean, Danny Aiello in this. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. He's so great. Yeah. Ving Rams is also in this, although he doesn't Ving talk Rams. much, but no. he's in there. <laughs> and his name is George. So there you oh, go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Eric LaSalle yeah. is also in the platoon. That's right. The scary guy from Identity. Right. And there's another guy who, if you've watched Sopranos, are you a Sopranos fan? No, I Kinda. was already Italian growing up in North okay. Jersey, so I was okay. like, I'm living it. I don't need okay. to. Okay, yeah, yeah. But the guy who plays, I don't know who he plays. He's one of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. He plays Mustang Sally from The Sopranos. That's a great name. He's in one episode where, who plays Polly from Rocky? Oh, shit. What the hell is his I'm name? I'm sorry. I don't want to put you on the spot, but he's We're in. The, he, it up. Yeah, he plays Bobby Bacala's father in an episode of Sopranos, and he uh, is given the task to mur- to murder Mustang Sally. Hell yeah! Brian Brian Tarantina is the actor's name who uh, is playing the soldier that I'm talking about. You know, Burt Young. Burt Young. Burt Young, of course. Polly. Of course. Happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh man. I one other one it. other guy that's in the platoon is Brent Hinckley, and that's. 
I knew I knew him from somewhere. I didn't know his name. I knew his face. Yeah. And I Googled, I, I IMDb'd it, and I know him from one small scene that he's in a Michael Douglas movie, Falling Down. Uh, <laughs> and he's in the McDonald's when Michael Douglas is, is oh, losing shit. his shit. And he's the guy behind the counter, and he says... Yeah, well, hey, when because Michael Douglas says the sandwich isn't isn't doesn't look like the picture. He wants it to look like the picture, or whatever. And he says, "Yeah, well, hey, I'm really sorry." Michael Douglas says, "Yeah, well, hey, I'm really sorry too." And he whips out a gun or something. But anyway, that's how I know that guy. I know he looks familiar. Wow, there you go, folks. Some little <laughs> scenes that stick with you. <laughs> that one did. <laughs> and you know, Jacob is he's screaming for a medic, and he gets stabbed in the gut by a bayonet. Quite, quite the shock of an opening. And it really throws you off balance because, like you said, you start off and you're like, oh, this is a Vietnam movie. Mm-hmm. And then that starts happening. And then he just starts awake on the subway train. Mm-hmm. And first of all, a huge shift in aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, it already starts establishing, like, well, what is real and what's mm-hmm. not? Because the fact that he is waking up from that, we don't even know if he was in Vietnam, really. So Again, that's part of why the whole twist thing at the end works so well is because you truly don't know i didn't know first of all i didn't even consider what happens that's what was going on i truly bought into buy into the fact that he's having flashbacks yeah of and and everything that they show from then it's happening is flashbacks and then as as it progresses it, it just rides that line so perfectly for me that you truly, it's unpredictable. Unpredictability is a, is a really hard thing to pull off, I feel like. It, well, it just doesn't happen often. Yeah, so. absolutely. And uh, the book that's in his hands when he wakes up is uh, Albert Camus' The Stranger. An interesting choice. I remember digging that book when we read it in high school. And as I recall, there's a real sort of theme of alienation from reality in that book, which, of course, plays heavily into Jacob's own journey. So I thought that that was an interesting choice there. Mm-hmm. He looks around. I love the set dressing. Like I said, it's a huge shift in aesthetic, but wow, this New York City set that he builds. Yeah. Real grimy. Uh, they do some Dutch angles to keep you off kilter. The signs yeah. are so off-putting. Right. <laughs> you get one that says, New York may be a crazy town, but you'll never die of boredom. Enjoy. Right. Yeah. And the other one just says, hell, yeah. That's what life can be, That's doing drugs. Doing drugs, yeah. Oh, man. This is bringing me back to the first time I watched this movie. I was, but within the first five minutes and leading it into the subway scene, I was just complete. I was mesmerized. Yeah. I was just like, this is, this is so good. And like, the, keep going, but the little tails he sees on the, on the guy sleeping on the it's train so there. It's so good. It's I like, mean, what is happening, right? I, it's, that's what I wanted to say is the other reason why it works so well is you don't know whether he's having flashbacks or another justification for why everything seems so uh, dreamlike is that, as we find out, the acid aspect of it, he could be, this could be lasting effects from just drugs or yeah. the acid stuff. So that's like another reason why I wasn't necessarily believing that what was happening isn't was a nightmare basically yeah absolutely and if that makes sense it does and he's waking up he's he's off balance just like we are and he heads into another car of the train looking for someone to ask about where they are and this woman just stares at him unblinking <laughs> yeah so scary holy shit so scary <laughs> so, so right scary. away <laughs> it's so good and he's unnerved as yeah. anyone would be and he's he's about to get off at this next stop but he almost misses that too because he's distracted by seeing this friggin slimy tentacle yeah. moving around on this sleeping guy on the train yeah. 
it looks incredible. It's so yeah. gross. <laughs> Adrian Lyon was saying he was trying to make them look phallic, those little tails. It works. Another aspect of making everything look like you said the traditional tail and a devil might have a little triangular tip, but he was trying to make everything have that little more human aspect yeah. to it. So you weren't really sure what you were looking at, whether it was some kind of limb or... Or a penis, really. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a little different now when you're watching everything in mm-hmm. 1080p and the yeah. brightness setting adjusted perfectly. But mm. it wasn't always so easy to see it either. And yeah, so right. when you just see the movement in there and you're really not sure what you're seeing, you know, yeah. that also really helps as well. There, it, it looks great, but, you know, there. this is the kind of thing where it's like, Still looked really good, even when it wasn't necessarily as high uh, resolution. Turns out that he did get off at the right stop, but the gates are locked for no reason. And so his next move uh, is to try and cross the tracks and check the other side, which is a very bold strategy. And I mean, it almost gets him nailed by a friggin' train. Uh And not just any train, a hell train full of hell people. Yeah. Staring out the hell windows. He does a little shimmy, like, should I go left? Should I go right? Do you notice it? He does <laughs> like it about four times. I'm like, pick a side, man. Pick a side. <laughs> he, I feel like he does it for about five minutes. Goes back, left, right, left, right. Yeah. Oh, God. The face, the faces in the window are just horrifying. The faces, the no. ghouls in the window. Terrifying. Oh, just, Terrifying yeah. for sure. And it, but it's so funny that he does that like little fake out shimmy where it's like, mm-hmm. what are you trying to like gonna fake out this train? But he actually <laughs> does like later when he does like the serpentine thing from the car, and you're like, oh, yeah. this time at least you friggin' understand what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, he's confused. He was confused. You know, hey, he just woke up. He's groggy. <laughs> <laughs> he goes home to his rundown apartment with his dog and his girlfriend Jezebel uh, before hopping in the shower. And heading to bed where he dreams of Vietnam again, of laying there wounded and asking for help before being jolted out of it again. And this is kind of what I'm saying is that it does slip back and forth between the two, uh, I guess we'll call them realities, in a really interesting way. Mm -hmm. And that does constantly keep you guessing. Like you said, it's not necessarily that you guess the ending correctly, but it does keep you wondering exactly what's happening yeah remember when i first saw it what i thought was happening was that the filmmaker was kind of leading you in the direction of just telling a story just in in a non-linear way i didn't think it was what is happening i thought it was just like it's showing him in vietnam eventually as the movie progresses it's going to show you what what really happened in vietnam and why this is happening yeah and it just kind of flipped it around but one thing i want to say quickly about this this scene which I didn't, I noticed upon second or third viewing, which is another little hint of what maybe what you could predict the end is he's in the shower with Jezebel when it flashes back or whatever, whatever you want to call that, to him on the floor of the jungle looking up, he sees a cobweb dripping water and it resembles a shower head so clearly oh, to me. Oh, man. It's so clear to me and it's Ooh. like, and when, and when I look back at that, I'm like, of course, like he's on the, I don't want to spoil it for you. I, I assume people that are hearing this are, are seeing Yeah, they yeah. probably watch but it. I, I, but it's like, of course, he's on the floor of the jungle looking up at the shower head and he's, and he's think you know, and he's imagining that he's in the shower with this woman. Wow. There's another, there's a couple other things that happen like that too, but go ahead, I'm sorry. No. That's I didn't notice that. That's yeah. that's great. Yeah, it's great. The movie's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I love that. I think that, that it, it is the kind of the little things like that that really help yeah, to absolutely give it rewatch value. 
Yes. It's a great movie to revisit over and over again and pick yeah. up on these little clues and come to it. Once you have the understanding of the way it plays out, you can kind of look for the way that they set it up. And it is masterfully written. Yeah. The way that it is set up is so well done yeah. that, and it, you know, it's interesting because it is, it is subtle on the first watch, but it's also not that subtle. They really right. kind of like scream at you yeah. about what's happening the whole time. Yeah. But you just don't even realize it until right. you've seen it the whole way through. And then when you see it again, it's like, oh, of course, of course. everything, everything <laughs> makes so much sense of like it. It's like so clear cut. Once yeah. you know what's going on, when you watch it again, it's like, <laughs> it makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Jezebel hands him a package and said that one of Jacob's kids dropped it off. And this seems like as good a point as any to talk about the names in this movie, because it's obvious that they are very important. Yeah. There's a lot of discussion of them. Not only do we have Jacob, who I already talked about where that name comes from, but we, of course, have Jezebel, Eli, and Jed all yeah. discussed in this uh, exact moment here. Eli is an Israelite judge who lost his sons as a curse from God. So, of course, that obviously plays into Jacob, who lost his son, Gabe, and that was sort of this trial that he goes through. You know, Jed was the name given by God to King Solomon the Wise. And uh, most importantly, we have Jezebel, who Jezebel is uh, one of the queens in the Bible. More colloquially, the name has sort of taken on this, like, shameless woman kind of uh, meaning and the fact that it is she is like a demon mm -hmm. in this you know mm -hmm. and this is her name and and he's he's like oh like where do you think the name jezebel yeah. comes from and she's like nobody yeah. calls me that yeah it's one of those things where you're like everything kind of plays into it and everything really builds it up mm -hmm. in a way that even when you're just like using your own sort of cultural understanding of like well i know what like the word jezebel gets yeah. thrown around as like it yeah. colors your understanding of the movie before you even know it does yeah like i didn't know the history of who jezebel was but it's clearly a biblical yeah name right you know the package is full of photos and uh, i really mm -hmm. love the sort of easy naturalism that tim robbins is bringing in this scene this is i think maybe yeah. one of the most impactful scenes of the movie just in terms of getting to like him as a character before all yeah. this stuff happens which is obviously very important yeah. And him lying there in that bed as he starts to cry and he's just like, oh, I didn't expect to see him today. Like, it's so right. heartbreaking. He does such a great job. Macaulay. <laughs> yeah, it is Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is One a little distracting, I admit. To yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Gabe is Macaulay, but... <laughs> young boy. He's young and he must have probably his first movie or one of them, I think. Somewhere in there, yeah. He, yeah. He's a youngster for sure. Yeah, yeah. This is when we find out that Macaulay Culkin, who plays Gabe, was killed in an accident before Jacob shipped out. Yeah. And he slips that photo into his wallet, but mm -hmm. Jezebel throws the rest of the 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 photos back in the bag and dumps it in the building's garbage where they're incinerated. And of course, this is a pretty important scene to come back to once you've seen the movie and understand how it shakes out. Because as Danny Aiello tells him, if you are holding on to this stuff, then it feels like someone tearing it away from you and throwing it into the fire. But if you understand what's happening, then they're angels sort of taking away your pain. And... Wow. Him putting the photo of Gabe into his wallet 
you know, he is taking this baggage with him literally everywhere. It's a constant reminder of his son. And also the physical act of what you just said of Jezebel ripping the photo album from him. Yeah. Which I didn't. I didn't pick up on. I didn't make the connection. It's oh, all dude. It's just up. so Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. You it's really so can damn sink good. Your, you really sink your teeth into this one. Oh yeah. Honestly. Yeah, it, it's it's great stuff. I, I yeah. love I love the little little things like right. that. That day, Jacob brings Jesse her lunch. They both work at the post office, um, and he says that he's going to see Louis, his chiropractor. This is Danny Aiello's character. Danny Aiello, the man. Man, he just knocks it out of the park. Love him yeah. here. Love him in general. He's yeah. incredible. Do the right thing. Come on. He's yeah. so good in that freaking movie. Yeah. But they talk about his ex-wife, Jacob's ex-wife, and how he didn't want to think anymore after Vietnam, despite having spent six years getting a PhD. And when Louis cracks his neck, which is a really awful looking twist that he does on this guy, we flash back to Vietnam and someone finding Jacob lying in the mud. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just get a second of it. Just a second. Yeah. And it cuts back to the chiropractor's office. Yeah. And we're gazing up at Louie, and he's bathed in white. And there's a gentle, ah, in yeah. the score. And Jacob literally says, you look like an angel. Yeah. You're a lifesaver, Louie. It, yeah. it was a deep adjustment, as Louie yeah. says. Yeah. <laughs> When I first saw this, first of all, when the, the, the for opening scene in the jungle, when everyone, it's they're all just hanging out and joking, and then all of a sudden people are vomiting and, and seizing and going crazy and tearing their clothes off and just acting like animals. I didn't know, like I said, Agent Orange. I, like I knew something was up. I thought maybe some kind. You know, there's some kind of chemical thing. And I just I was trying. I'm grappling with trying to make sense with this. I'm, I'm talking about my first time watching sure. it, but but I always heard that. Oh, like every time something happens in the movie, I'm like, oh, that, that could be this. Or the trauma from his past is why he's losing his shit now and seeing these things. Or when Louis cracks his neck, you know, there's that old, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But they say acid stays in your spine for, uh, I don't know. So I thought when, Several he, cracked years, neck, right? yeah, when years. he cracked his neck, I thought maybe he was a having some rush. kind of acid, acid <laughs> flashback or something. And I was like, l little things like that. I'm like, oh, this is all connecting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh it's it's so great and yeah we keep saying it over and over i gotta let I, 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 I gotta let you get ahead on the plot here no no I, hey this is what i'm having fun doing this man i know i know i know i if, if you're at a time constraint no I, hey i got all fucking night bro <laughs> he walks home to the cat calls of please mr postman yeah. which fun fun scene i love that song yeah. by the marvelettes yeah. it's yeah. so good and and he's it's such a nice moment to be like, oh, maybe things will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's such it's a nice daytime, moment for him. He's outside. They're singing. He's smiling. It's just, and Tim Robbins has a smile on his face. And he is kind of a, just a, a spring he, in his step. Yeah. He's a, he's joyful. He's a joyful person. He kind of oozes that out of him when he wants to, you know? And you know, it is, he went it is and a nice saw reprieve. his angel. It's a little, it's like a little reprieve. Yeah. Exactly. And as is any scene with any scene with Danny, Aiello, the chiropractor is a little reprieve from the madness and just like warmth. It's like everything's bathed in warm light and it's just, it's just nice. Yeah. yeah someone to really fight for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, suddenly after these, after he turns the corner from these girls, uh, trying to get him to come say what's up. Suddenly, there's a car chasing him down, yeah. and uh, it contains more of these distorted face demons. And like I said, he smartly runs serpentine. 
I guess that military training was good for something. Yeah. <laughs> he, does, he does manage to dodge in the nick of time. And so he heads to the VA hospital because he's like, something is fucking going on here. I'm in pain. The, the, the head in the rear, in the rear window so as it drives up. away. It's like vibrating. Oh, it's man. It's got spiky hair. It's just like, oh, I just had to mention that. It's great. I mean, it yeah. looks incredible. They're, and they use that same effect. Yeah. But they use it differently, like yes. on different heads. And it's yeah. never not shocking. Right. It happens. I agree. He gets the runaround when he tries to see his doctor. First yeah. getting told that the doctor isn't on any of the charts. Then that Jacob has no record of being a patient there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is when the nurse's cap falls off. And there's oh, these. Suzanne Shepard. That's huh. uh, so she's in a bunch of things. She's uh, in Goodfellas and she's in Soprano. She's Carmela's mom. Yeah, her hat falls off and she's got, well, they don't, yeah, so you would think it, was, it wasn't It was a traditional horn. This is another example of lines trying to bring human aspects to it. It's more, it looks more like just a bone protruding. Yeah, than it's fucked like up a is what it is. Like a warped bone. And she grabs her cap, like, to cover it up, like, you shouldn't have seen that, you know? Yeah, oh, man, and that's she's such, such a, a creepy, fun moment. She's a creepy actress. Uh, when she wants, like, she's per- perfect casting with her. She's just, she's just scary. She's like a scary old lady. Yeah, and then when her voice drops a little bit, she tries to, like, oh, yeah. Scorpion is actually, get over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Jacob flees to the office where Dr. Yeah. Carlson should be. He manages to get away from her. And the doctor, who's holding group therapy, tells him that the doctor blew up in a car accident a month ago. And there's a, a line delivery here from Tim Robbins where he goes... He blew up? Yes! <laughs> he goes, say. what do you mean it blew up? Blew like, up. I was like, I just <laughs> fully crack up at that moment. It's true, though. <laughs> yes. Because he doesn't... The guy, it's very vague. He said, what happened? He goes, I, it blew up. <laughs> like, that was it. And he goes, well, what do you mean? I really don't know. Yeah. That was the rest of the answer. Oh, God. I really love that line. I think it's yeah. so funny because it because it is true. Because you're like, yeah. well, what the fuck does that mean? What and he just talk- it totally yeah, echoes you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That night, they go to this raging party. It's complete with Jacob. People are propositioning him. He finds a lamb's head in the fridge. Yeah, like I don't know what climax means in a movie all the time. I can never, I can always pinpoint it. And I'm not sure this is the climax, but this is certainly like the peak of the nightmare. James Brown's playing, and it's from the from the album Hell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's gnarly, man. It's it's real fucked up, and and the tension in this scene is also handled really well because, you know, he's goes to talk to this psychic who's flirting yeah. with him. And then she's like kind of thrown off to discover that his hand says that he's already dead. (laughs) And, you know, it's spooky, but he brushes it off. And and Jesse is trying to distract him. She comes over and she says, come dance with me. Really unsettling. And then to move to the dance floor, which is very disorienting. And the demon people start to show up again. He sees the one yeah. guy in the back yeah. and the head effect again. Yeah, yeah. That head effect goes nuts. And he like has like a regular human head and then a demon head. And then yeah. the demon head is vibrating right, and it's right. very scary. Yeah. And the crowd, the camera, kind of, the camera kind of moves around and, and, and people's voices are like pitched downwards, like just for a slight when they're laughing. It's almost like something out of uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, like on a bad acid trip. Ah, yeah. <laughs> when they're laughing and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's so unsettling. It is. It is. And, and there's no other word for what this crowd becomes besides orgiastic. 
Mm. You know, they yep. are fucking on the dance floor out here. Yeah. It was like a bacchanal already, and but like Jezzy is literally like hiking up her dress and yeah. gyrating on this like weird tentacle and getting her yeah. like butt pecked by a raven or yeah. something. Yeah, that one I wasn't quite sure about, but her well, butt again, gets scratched. I, on, on the, sh- it's basically Adrian Lyon said it's basically her having sex with a demon. That's what it was. Well, that's certainly what comes across. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's fucked up. Yeah, Jacob falls to the ground in agony. He's mm-hmm. not having a good time. Right. There's a few flashes in and out of blackness, and him on the floor there that are just yeah. in complete silence, yeah. and I really love that choice. Yeah, I think that that's really good, particularly because it it was it was the capper for such a, an intense s- strobing and loud music and just demons and just so it's such an intense scene to go to that quiet is it's really effective. Yeah, it's really effective, and then for that to transition to like the red light of the Vietnam flashbacks, this is. Mm. A color that really only ever appears in the Vietnam stuff. Everything in in New York is very cool. Or in specific reference to hell, we see the red of the fire and the hell of the text. But beyond that, it's really only ever seen in the Vietnam portions. And Mm -hmm. like you said, this is the climax of the nightmare. This is also where we hear like the medics being like, oh, his guts are literally hanging out. We have to try and push this back into him. You can sort of see how the two correlate when you look back to be like, yes, this is the nightmare because he's in agony as they literally shove his guts back into him. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just such a, such a great moment to have these two for comparison. Yeah. He fades back into his apartment where Jesse grumbles about having been with enough crazies. She takes his temperature and she freaks out. Yeah. And she says that it went to the top, baby. Yeah. She calls the doctor in the building and Jacob says that he feels okay to start with, but he is visibly deteriorating. He acts sick so well. Yes. Like, he can't... She's trying to help him. Like, I felt like that with a fever. I haven't had a temperature that went to the top of the thermometer, but you can tell he's weak. He can barely walk, and he's going, I'm freezing, I'm yeah. freezing. But but he's, you know, his temperature's through. And this scene is just piled on top of what just happened at the party. It's like, another one, it's like... It's gripping. Yeah. Not only is the switch back and forth very gripping, but Mm -hmm. the way that this scene is shot is really fantastic as well. As she's running back and forth, I think that Mm -hmm. the way that the camera follows her is so good. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, And, uh, you know, the neighbors all work together. It's cool to see them all sort of like poking their heads out and sort of see how that transitions. Yeah. Um, But they work together to submerge Jacob in an ice bath as he screams, you're killing me. Yeah. There's a very disorienting cut that this is another one that really sort of makes you unsure about what's real because Jacob retreats from the agony of the ice bath to his old family, not Jesse, But the family that he divorced from, uh, that he yeah. had the, the children with. Right. And it's interesting to me that... Sarah, that's his wife's name. Right. And when he tells Sarah about the dream, that he both actively refers to the neighbors as demons, and he says that he was burning from ice. And there are plenty of references to Dante Alighieri's Inferno in this movie, including that was actually an alternate title for the movie. But this also kind of utilizes that work where the deepest parts of hell were actually cold. 
And so I think that this is kind of the moment where he is sort of at his lowest. He has his guts out. He's in agony. This is the closest he comes to actually falling into hell. Yeah. That he's in this ice bath. This is where he's freezing. I just think that that's it's such an interesting way to sort of bring in a classical influence without making it so overbearing and being like, do you get it? I'm referencing yeah. something. Right, right, right. Subtle and, and just, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. The scene when they are throwing the ice on him, this isn't like a deep insight. It's just, I feel like the harsh light of the bathroom makes it such a reality check to me. Like when that was happening, I'm like, oh, this is this is real. This isn't This isn't some kind of dream. There's no demons. It's just people throwing ice on him. And it's almost like a fluorescent light. And it's it's different. It's lit differently. It looks different. It's just It the, feels the, almost like an operating room. Right, right. It just it just looks different than everything I have seen so far in the movie and it's like, wow, this is this is really intense. Yeah. Gabe is actually still alive in this fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, yes. And uh he goes to tuck him into bed, and then he goes back to bed himself, transitioning to being airlifted out in Vietnam, and mm-hmm. then back to the apartment. There was another part here, it's which is similar to the shower head that maybe is more of a stretch, but I saw it and I had to mention it that so he's dreaming about his about Gabe and as soon as he leaves him in that nice warm fantasy of his, he's looking up at a bright, bright sun and I just thought sun, sun and sun. Oh, there you, you know. go. Hey. <laughs> there you go. Also yeah. to go back to names for a second, Gabe obviously short for Gabriel, yes. the Archangel Gabriel. Yes. So when he transitions back to being in the apartment, first of all, I love that they sort of go through the cycles of it all. But then in addition to that, him sort of floating there lifelessly, just like crying in the ice bath. Yeah. As the doctor says that he's lucky and he must have friends in high places, like to be told that as you're coming back to this situation after dreaming of your your old life like it just feels like a slap in the face and yeah. it's just so impactful it's one of those lines that really just it gets you uh, yep. i think that it's it's a great moment in the movie he looks like shit jacob <laughs> yeah. bloodshot sure eyes and yeah yeah and he, yeah he's pu- he's pulled back to this purgatory after tasting mm-hmm. the heaven of the past goes back to the medevac after he's in this ice bath again and then fades to black yeah. He goes through it all and and like I said they are kind of telling you what's real without you even knowing it. Like the fact that right. we see him go through these different it, layers of it. Exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Showing it is showing you what re- what is real but we don't realize it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Real's not real as King Gizzard once said. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he starts reading about demons and he also starts reading Dante's Purgatorio. As he recovers. So there you go. Very specific reference to it. And Jesse leaves when Jacob sees her as a demon and shoves her away. Okay, that part. Yeah. Yeah. When she says, anybody in there? And her (laughs) eyes turn black. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. It's quite a shock. Yeah. It's quite a shock. He gets a call from one of his former platoon mates, Paul Groniger, who says that he needs to see Jacob. And they meet at a bar where he tells Jacob that demons have been chasing him to take him to hell. And Jacob reveals that he's been going through the same thing. And they're both kind of comforted to have someone who understands. But they also look terrified because this kind of confirms that it's real or realer at the very least that they're both going through it. It's not the kind of thing that you can just write off anymore when someone else is like, yeah, you're right. This is real. 
Yeah. That kind of coalesces it in, in a way that makes it much scarier. Yeah. Paul also does indicate that the religious artifacts that he's taken to carrying with him do nothing to help, which, again, that sort of plays into the idea that they are angels to some, demons to others. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, get, get a little Hellraiser in there because it's not... <laughs> It, you, it's not something that you can like fend off because they are demons because you're holding on to the baggage. These little things that sort of flesh out the world in an interesting way that let you yeah. do the work in your mind without uh, having to spend that time really like just talking it out in the movie. It's funny the part where he is talking to his friend Pruitt Taylor Vince is the actor's name and they're in the bar and it's just it depicts that paranoia so well where he thinks everybody's a demon. He's looking at the guys playing pool and it's like they're giving him looks. He just you could tell they're just so freaked out about it because yeah. everywhere they look these things are coming out of the walls as they say, you know. Yeah, mind your business. Just, yeah, Tim mind your, Yeah. <laughs> mind your business. <laughs> They leave together only for Paul to get blown to fucking smithereens as yeah. his car Blew explodes. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Blew up. What the People fuck does that up. mean? <laughs> but Jacob watches and then flashes back to Vietnam where things are chaos and then back to the explosion mm-hmm. where a man who is watching them in the bar pulls him to safety and then flees himself. Mm-hmm. At the funeral, the platoon is reunited. And it turns out that it's not even just Paul and Jacob. Everyone is having the same horrific experiences. Uh, Well, he also... This one guy. He claims not to be going through it. Who knows what's really going on, but... Yeah. This is another line delivery that I love when Jacob is like, all right, everyone except you, Rod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The rest of us are going out of our fucking minds, he says. Weird, though, that one guy is saying it's not. I think that he probably is going through it, and yeah. he just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, just something about using someone's real name like that just is such yeah. an easy way to make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all decide that the government must have done something to them in Vietnam that night. And so yeah. they go to hire a lawyer, Mr. Geary, played by Jason Alexander, in a George role Christen. that I keep expecting to veer into comedy, but it never yeah. does, thankfully. He's really good. He's really good, too. <laughs> yeah, he is really good in it. Yeah. When he's chewing on the ice, he's just he, uh, he's very uh, natural. There is a little costanza-ness to it yeah, when he's doing yeah, that is, and he yeah. spits it back out but yeah, it's, yeah. it's good this plan however all falls apart immediately though and i feel like this really helps to ratchet up that tension again because all of jacob's squad mates have backed out when he calls they won't talk to him they're mm-hmm. all together in the room yeah. they take yeah. the phone off the hook they say don't yeah. call here again yeah geary also doesn't want to talk to him he says that the military files he read said that they were never in combat and he yeah. was discharged on psychological grounds after war games in Thailand. And yes. this is when they really start to introduce that doubt of like, well, what if he is just crazy? And what if none of this is real? But th- they introduce that question in a way that is still a misdirection from the real right. way <laughs> that right. none of it is real. Right. Which is fascinating to me that they right. managed to pull that off. There's so many different options that you have to believe on what's really happening in the movie. Is he crazy from trauma? Right. Is it post-traumatic? Is it flashbacks from LSD? Is he dreaming? Is is he just lost his mind? Is you know you don't know. Yeah. There's so many things set up that you that all those possibilities are plausible. You know. Right. Hi, kitty. <laughs> yeah, Buck is here. Buck, say what's up. Oh, there he is. Hey, Buck. <laughs> You know, that's my father's nickname, Buck. Wow, there you go. I have uh, yeah. Stevie and Buckingham. 
because I'm a big my father's guy. name is that's his, my father's name his real name is Steve wow there you go <laughs> weird simpatico <laughs> some G-men grab Jacob off the street and threaten him and he fights back and I really love this scene as well it's like a, a one car car chase yeah they're swinging around the streets. They're bashing yeah. into other cars. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. And the guy in the backseat is so, he's so like gimmicky, like, uh, Jacob Singer, an appropriate name for somebody who can't keep his mouth shut. It's like something out of uh, the Untouchables or something. Oh, it's great. I also yeah. wonder in this moment, the one guy is like, he goes to like get a gun. And like, what happens yeah. if you die in this world? Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that know. guy going to do? <laughs> So who knows? But Jacob fights back. He gets a few yeah. good kicks in there. It's a lot yep, of fun. He does. He finally leaps from the car, but we've already seen his fucked up back. Yeah. This paralyzes him, basically, yep. as he lays there in the street. Yep. Santa robs him. Yeah. Such a grim, funny moment. Ho, oh, ho, ho. You poor man as he's looking for his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Ringing the bell. It's fucked up, man. Yeah. It's fucked up. Santa, you gotta watch out for that guy. Well, that's another thing too. They say who something like you who took your license? He goes Santa Claus, and they go, oh, he's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's, it really is. It does play into it. It is yeah. funny, but it like yeah. it does help to it make does, him yeah. untrustworthy in the right. eyes of uh, yeah the hospital later. Yeah. Not yeah. that they would have really believed him anyway. But I digress yeah. because he does get brought to this hospital. He asks them to get him Louis, but they disregard him. And as he gets brought further into the hospital, it becomes more and more nightmarish. And boy, does it. Oh, <laughs> I'd say this tops the party scene. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, oh, my God. The the fact that the camera keeps focusing on the one wheel that's yeah, just Yeah, they talked around. about that. They shortened, for an effect, they shortened that back wheel just by a fraction of an inch. So Hell that yeah. It wouldn't, so that it didn't quite touch the tile. So that it would keep doing that kind of flippy thing. Oh, yeah. it's so And then good. it gets caught on like a bloody limb and the bloody limb, it drags the bloody oh, limb. Oh, man. Yeah, it's really effective. It is. It's so effective. And, and you know, it keeps focusing on that, but you also do get these these great disconcerting images of like a smashed up bike, like games, yeah. Yeah. people having fits and lying on the floor. And this yeah. is before it transitions into like blood, limbs. Yeah deformities right. and screaming and like fucked right. up head vibrating like the demons right right before jacob is strapped down for surgery by an even more horrific group of doctors and a nurse that looks like jesse yeah really incredible culmination and build of this scene yeah uh, it's just super fucked up <laughs> yeah and he said i'm alive he exclaims right because they're trying to tell him that he's dead or something like yeah he, he asks her to take he's... him home and the doctor mm -hmm. says you are home you're dead yeah and and jacob he refuses to hear it but i mean it yeah. doesn't get much more explicit of right. telling us what's happening than a guy yeah. literally being like yo dude you're fucking dead <laughs> yeah and he's holding on he's saying i'm alive you know exactly i'm alive he's fighting mm -hmm. and yeah he gets stabbed in the forehead with a needle by a doctor with not only no eyes but not even yeah. any eye sockets just fleshy yeah. face it's yeah this guy yeah, he weird. Fucks Very my day weird, up, man. So that so this scene is probably my threshold for the tor like a torture porn type of situation. Mm -hmm. The needle that comes down and goes in and said that, oh. and then it goes in, and then it kind of just cuts there, right? It cuts away from that. That's about as much as I want to see. I don't need to see 
you know, these movies where people are pulling their na- fingernails off and stuff like that. Yeah. Hey, man, I can respect that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and they do cut away. We get a few seconds of Vietnam flashbacks. But then he starts dreaming of his family again, visiting him in the hospital. And Sarah says that she still loves him for whatever that's worth. But even these sort of dream retreats, the thing that has brought him solace in these moments of agony, these aren't holding steady anymore. He hears a voice tell him to dream on. Dream on, says. Absolutely terrifying yeah and he starts to panic understandably audibly it's like only on the it feels like it's coming from only one speaker yeah i was listening to it when it was like on the left side to give that effect of like something's not right and it's just but it's over here in the corner and it's telling me that you know something's not quite right oh man it's so good yeah it's such a great little thing and and he panics and you see this start to crumble around him Mm -hmm. and Louis bursts in the door, and this is something I did not notice on the first watch through, but you notice on the second watch through that the family is gone without a trace, mm-hmm. that there's no indication of a cut, really, mm-hmm. but Louis bursts in and his family is gone. I didn't really quite notice that. I thought, it. yeah, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's an interesting choice. It does kind of yes. show that like he's he's being shocked out of this yeah, this uh, yeah. this totally. thing that was bringing him hope. And Louis rescues him from the hospital, and Jacob tells him that he was in hell, that everything was pain. And I think that this is a really interesting exchange when Louis tells him to straighten out his head because not only does it work literally of course, because he needs him to align his spine. Mm -hmm. But it also works really well with his upcoming monologue about sort of perspective and getting your perspective right. That's kind of what makes this whole movie so special is the fact that you can take it at face value and take everything very literally. But if you just scratch a little bit below the surface, there's all these other kind of secondary meanings and and clues towards what's really happening that are just so fantastic. But so he does this quote from Meister Eckhart where he says, Eckhart saw hell too. He said, The only thing that burns in hell is the part of you that won't let go of life, your memories, your attachments. They burn away, but they're not punishing you, he said. They're freeing your soul. So if you're frightened of dying, you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth. So he's telling him to straighten out his head to yeah. understand what's happening, to make his peace and yeah. to let his freedom come for him. I mean, Lord knows Louis tells him to relax enough times. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just a great monologue. It's a great exchange yeah. between the two yeah. leading up to it as well. I, right. It's just fantastic. It is. Jacob checks his little memory box that he has and he confirms with himself that he isn't crazy. He sees right. the honorable discharge and the photos and everything yep. and his own dog tags, which he puts back right. on. Right. And he gets a call from someone who claims to be part of a chemical warfare unit out of Saigon who was involved in the experiments. And he wants to meet Jacob saying he already knows who he is. Ooh, yeah. Very ominous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've seen him many times so far. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out. It was the man who pulled him away from the carsplosion, yeah. and he's also been working to save Jacob in the Vietnam flashbacks. We've seen him in the medevac scenes as well. And his name is Michael Newman, 
And again, you know, Michael, you get this name, the Archangel, finally come to bring him salvation and understanding of what's really happening here. Yeah. He explains that the army wanted a new drug. I want a new drug. <laughs> <laughs> See, and this whole part takes you back, pulls you away from the possibility that it's that it's all a dream and puts you back in the position of yeah, this is this is this is makes sense. This is a reason why everything's happening. Yeah. This is like this is the this is this is the explanation of everything that's happening, you know? Yeah. It just keeps you guessing the whole time, you know. Exactly. I mean, we're pretty close to the end of this movie. Yeah. They still are yeah. constantly pulling you in different directions right. here. You know, they wanted this drug that would make soldiers more violent. They called it the ladder. Mm -hmm. This is another great performance here where he's talking about the testing and you can see how bad it must have been when he like gets choked yeah. up and looks away. Yeah, he talks about the monkeys and then what they did to each other and Yeah. Sounds awful. It does. It sounds really And awful. then when they experimented on um, POWs, right? The Viet Cong and what they did to to each other was much worse than the monkeys. Yeah. And he just leaves it at that, you know. Heavy. It is heavy. And he says that the government decided to try a small amount on the test battalion and that Michael yeah. reveals that the latter made the platoon tear themselves to pieces. Yeah. Jacob wants to get home. He hails a cab. And in the in the cab, he flashes back to Vietnam again. And now we see the American soldier that stabs him. He finally sees what actually happened. Yeah. You know, I really like that as he's seeing this, we get a few shots as well of uh, the cross keychain gently clinking against the dashboard of the car. Yeah. You know, just making this rhythmic pattern, clink, 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 and it's it's yeah. just this this omnipresent thing that yeah. is working against Jake, Jacob and 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 constantly reminding him of what's actually happening, um, even though he doesn't want to hear it. And they say, he said they put it in the food supply. That's what he said, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 a little okay. bit in the food supply. So this section right here, did, did you see the deleted scene? Right after the scene with Matt Craven, who's the guy, the curly-haired guy, and Oh, Jacob, when he puts the... When he gives he, him the, the He brings antidote? him to like a... Yes, yes, he brings him... That was the thing. He's going to give him an antidote. So there's this whole section that got deleted from the movie where they give Jacob an antidote, and he initially has a like a really bad hallucination of like a demon coming through the ceiling. Remember? Yeah, it's like a and, fucking uh, eye. It's gross. Yeah, as yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. But then, and then he thinks he's all set, and he thinks that the antidote worked. Yeah, and it's then he not goes, so much. and then he, and then he goes to a train station, and he's in the bathroom, and there's a glory hole. <laughs> And something else happens, and then you hear the dream on again that that demon kind of voice, and yeah. then he realized that it's not that it hasn't worked, and that he's fucked basically. Oh man! So they took they took all that out, which it's fine. It is fine that it's gone. It is still yeah. good. I do still like yeah, it. it. Is good. Yeah. I like that yeah. that dream on comes back. Yeah, that's fun. But you know, it is the kind of thing where the ball is moving. We're we're yes. sort of ready for yes. the wrap up now. I think, yep. and so uh, I agree. it is probably yeah, for yeah. the best. He returns not to his shitty apartment when he asks to be brought home, but to the home that he shared with his family. He sees the doorman. They, he says, oh, it's been a while, Mr. Singer. He's yeah. wearing his dog tags, and you know he walks into this room, and it's like the friggin' platonic ideal. You know, There's signs of life, like a pie with a slice missing, and the TV yeah. is on with static, and, and there are some books that were out and everything. And a slowing heartbeat plays over footage of the past, and Jacob is with his family. He wears some hunky jorts. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's great. That picture, really. I was like, oh, all right. 
1990, yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great, though, the heartbeat and the flashes of, yeah, it's cool. It is cool. and It's just what we needed at that point, too. I feel like it was starting to get, I don't want to say I love the movie, but it just seemed to drag a little bit. And then all of a sudden it kind of took you out of that with the, with the flashes and, and the doo-doo. Do do you yeah. know, and I think it really worked really well. Yeah, it's going at a consistent pace, and then for it to really slow down in this moment, yeah, yeah, is an interesting choice that does I think really work here. The night changes to day, birds are chirping, and Gabe is still alive. And he takes Jacob by the hand, and he leads him into a light at the end of the proverbial tunnel, but mm-hmm. also a literal light at the end of the literal staircase. <laughs> Yes. Uh, reunited at last, together again in heaven. Yeah. As Danny Aiello's voiceover from his earlier monologue is is saying, if you see, you know, if you're holding on to these things, you, you're going to see demons coming after you. But if you make your peace, the demons are really angels, aka Gabe leading him up. So right. it's like he gave, he gave up. He is an angel. This is that's exactly yeah. right. That this is sort of what it's all been leading to. That he has made his peace. He does understand what's happening. It's it's great. I think that that it all it, it works yeah. together really well. I don't know. I think that we probably could have got it without the voiceover, but yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. We fade back into a triage tent in Vietnam yeah. and military doctors call Jacob's death as he dies and I'm pretty sure that those were the G-men from earlier. I wasn't on, I didn't look it up, but they looked like they were the guys in the car. Yeah, they could have been, maybe. That's that would be cool if they were. I didn't notice that though. But they say that he put up one hell of a fight, but that he finally looks peaceful. Yeah. It's a great last moment. I mean, the final yeah. thing we see is some text about a hallucinogenic drug codenamed uh, BZ being experimented on soldiers during Vietnam. Though the Pentagon denied the story, of course. Right. There has been some progress in regards to that since the movie is released in 1990. Uh, In particular, almost following this movie exactly was the Edgewood Arsenal experiments pertaining to chemical weapons, including various nerve poisons. And in 2009, a lawsuit, Vietnam Veterans of America et al. versus Central Intelligence Agency et al., was filed by veteran rights organizations and eight Edgewood veterans or their families against various U.S. agencies, and basically they said that they had been experimented on without their knowledge or warning of, or, like, healthcare or anything. They hadn't been taken care of, and the complaint asked for the court for declaratory and injunctive relief for several decades of neglect, determining the defendant's actions were illegal and that the defendant had a duty to notify the victims and to provide them with healthcare. But, like, in this movie, they say, like, they weren't doing this for money. Like, they wanted healthcare. They didn't ask for monetary damages at all. Yeah. And in 2013, the court found partially in their favor, saying that the government does have to warn people going forward that they are test subjects and that they really should track down and warn the other people who'd been through it already. So... You know, a little wow. half-assed yeah. <laughs> finding in their favor, but, you know, U.S. government doing some shady shit. Who yeah. could have guessed? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but now, Justin, we've yes. reached the point of the show where yeah. we sum up why this is not just a good horror movie, <laughs> but is, in fact, the best horror movie ever made. And I'm going to let you kick things off. Well, I think I've said so much of it already. But I think, for me, it works so well because of the the whole twist ending. And I think, like I said before, it's run its course for me, the twist ending thing. And I know, I just feel like that character was a figment of another character's imagination. Uh, or, or it's a dream. Or he's a ghost. Or it's just, it's run its course. And I was truly 
surprised by the end of what we find out in this movie what was really going on and I think a big part of what makes that reveal work so well is that throughout the movie there's always a plausible explanation of most of, of Jake's horrors that he's seeing. Was he suffering from army uh, experiments with LSD? Was he post-traumatic? All these things. It all worked out so well for me and uh, it worked and it was like I said it was my first exposure to that kind of thing. So not only does this movie execute that kind of twist in a, so well, but it's also filled with such, such scary images, such great practical effects. The cast is great, the acting is great, the story is great, the symbolism is great. There's just so much to read into and kind of sink your teeth into, like I said. So all those things together, because it's not only really a, such a really scary movie, but it's also just a fucking like quality, great movie too. You yeah. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. To me, this is yeah. the best horror movie ever made yeah. because not only did it influence the hell out of a lot of things that I like yeah. a lot, yeah. but for me to then go back and visit this as the originator and to be blown away by yeah. how it manages to not only meet a lot of those influences, but to even still be better than a lot of them. Yeah. The the scares that this movie manages to pack into the distortion of human bodies, the body horror that's in this movie yeah. is so effective to me. Mm -hmm. It is a perfect example of what I always talk about being one of the things that really does still scare me is things that are just off of human. And that I think is exactly what Adrian Lyne was going for when he made the change from the more traditional imagery of angels and demons mm -hmm. into these sort of like nodules and and yeah. all these tentacles and stuff and yeah i just think that it works so well yeah. and the fact that tim robbins manages to really put this movie on his back you know there we pointed out some really great performances as well but yeah. this movie really lives and dies on yeah. tim robbins's performance yeah. and there's stevie <laughs> yep <laughs> and um he, yeah, he's great. He's, he's great. so good. And yep. it's not even like it's a one-note performance either. He has moments of levity, and he has yeah. these moments of drama, and he has these moments where we are as scared as he is. And warmth. Seems of warmth. He's just a warm yeah. dad or a mailman, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. Oh, my God. The, the Please Mr. Postman yeah. scene. My gosh. it's He's just so fantastic, and, and yeah. he's working with this fantastic script. And yeah. everything is just functioning so incredibly well yeah. to really bring it all together into one package that is better even than the sum of its parts. Great. Any one of these things would have been impressive in a different movie. But the fact that it all manages to come together in a cohesive way mm -hmm. makes it the best horror movie ever made, Justin. All right, man. Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, hell yeah. I, I mean, this was so great. People, if you have not seen Jacob's Ladder, go go watch yes. that friggin' movie. Yeah. Justin, now, uh, please, I mean, if you have anything to plug, do it. If you're enjoying anything that you want to just be like, hey, I think you should check this out, feel free to plug that as well. I'm s I don't have anything to plug, and I'm, as far as checking things out, I'm just, I'm, I'm do same stuff as you are, man. <laughs> I sleep away camps this week. Hell yeah! Uh, I wanna. I watched Poltergeist recently. I've seen it a bunch of times, but I showed it to my kids. I don't know if I, I, it went over pretty well. They're yeah. seven and five, and they were able. They didn't have any nightmares or anything, so that's good. That's all you can really ask because it's PG, but it's not really PG. 
Yeah, I think it was it was made before PG thirteen yeah. came out, right? Yeah. But as far as like what I'm watching, I'm not really watching anything new. I watch a lot of stuff I've already seen for the most part. I'm, I am going to watch Kid Detective. I started watching that, but the Plex was acting wonky, so it's tough hey, work. That's a great movie, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, when you got kids, uh, your options are a little more limited sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> so. totally. I'm always looking for something that that we can all enjoy. That's why I like Poltergeist and Hell Temple yeah. of Doom. Maybe is risky. <laughs> maybe a little bit of a risk. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna plug Justin's very fun performance on the Doathon. Oh yeah. Well, there's a YouTube. I'm on YouTube. There's a couple songs, and I'm still writing songs. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm just slow because of you know not well, a lot of. Free we time. on the Gorley and Russ Discord get the sneak peeks. We get to see yes. it in action. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, Justin, you're on like about 12 hours in, I think. You're at like the exact Yeah, I'm right. Mark. I'm right in the middle of it. Yeah, I was so, on there with, uh, I grew up with Mitchell. And uh, yeah. So go check check that out. Time. Justin was a lot yeah. of fun on there. I had a very nice time watching my friend. Yes. Thanks, buddy. And uh, as far as my And your boys, show's the best. I already <laughs> said it before, but I really am a fan. You do a great job, really. Well, I really appreciate that. I listen that. all the time. That's yeah. very nice of you to say. And, uh, you know, if people out there want to listen to it all the time, then you could check it out. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Little Horror PHL, and the Patreon is out there. I mentioned it before. There is a bit of a shakeup on the Patreon tiers, so now five dollar patrons will also be getting the bonus episodes. So if that sounds appealing to you, go check that out. Also, I keep forgetting to mention this, but if people want another mailbag episode, feel free to send questions, comments, whatever hypothetical situations, even. <laughs> to uh, bestlittlemailbag at gmail.com and uh, I guess that's it you guys know all the stuff already (laughs) thanks a lot everyone alright bye